The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Hey everyone, it's Darren Carp. Welcome to Scissoring Isn't a Thing. And I'm Liz Cully. What a nice intro you did just there, it, Darren. I, I felt very like a QVC host or like... It, um, it was good. You know, just good. being like, welcome to the collection of rainbow turtlenecks that we have for you guys. Like, Uh-oh. I don't know, Liz. Yeah. Maybe it's just because we're coming off of Thanksgiving. I'm just thankful for you. I'm thankful for my good mood today. How was your Thanksgiving? Because full disclosure, we are recording this in the afternoon New York City time, but morning-ish... LA time and you're a touch hungover, right? It's not that. I think I'm tired. Well, I cooked my first Thanksgiving. It took two days. It was amazing. Everything went well. Is Rachel a cook? No. Like, do you guys divide and conquer? Like you cook, she cleans, or are you doing that all and she does other stuff? Uh, The latter. She'll do a little cleaning. If I asked her to cook, she would. But like, I just kind of, I really love to cook. It's one of my passions. So I just do it. But it was really fun. Our editor, Maureen, we tested for the last two weeks and didn't see anybody. And she came over. She's actually here right now in our living room waiting for me to finalize this podcast so that we can hang out. But it was good. And you saw your parents, right? I did. I got tested on Tuesday and then just stayed in my apartment. And I was a little nervous because obviously there's been like this huge rush of testing for the holidays, obviously. I go to this like subscription based medical service. So it's it's I'm not like waiting online like everybody else. So I thought that maybe that would give me a little bit of a better chance of getting my results back. But they said, you know, due to high volume, two to four days, I told my parents and I was like, listen, I might not get it back in time. So they they kind of like set up this other section of the table. We kept the doors open because obviously on the East Coast, it was actually really nice day like it was warm like it was mid 60s so you could actually like sit outside you could open the door which for Thanksgiving you know late November in New York City it's normally not that nice and so oddly enough my mom came to come pick me up 20 minutes before that I got my test results back that they were negative so it made everyone just like a little bit happier but yeah it was nice it was my first I think I mentioned this last week like it was my first Thanksgiving Obviously, it was different, or hopefully it was different for everyone this year in a lot of ways. But, you know, this was the first one without my grandfather, which was really hard for me because he's sort of this, well, he's the oldest guy in my family, but also just kind of like the center of everything. You know, he carved the turkey every year, even when he was 94. And so the thing that I got from him was he used to be a Freemason. And his father gave him a ring, uh, a Freemason's ring. And it was like the thing that I, because, you know, Freemasons, it's like the secret society. Like you don't know anything my dad, about my it. My dad did it. My dad did it too. I found his whole Freemason thing when I was moving. Okay. Well, out. can you crazy. tell me the secrets about this? Because my grandfather kept it mom literally until his deathbed. And I really wanted this ring from him. And so I got it. Um, I got one of those like, like the sizers in it. So it didn't ruin the integrity of the ring, but oh, could cool. clamp to my ring, my finger. And I wore that all Thanksgiving and it was like just a little, it was, it was, it was bittersweet in a lot of ways, but ultimately I had a very good Thanksgiving considering 2020 has been a shit show. So. Amazing. I wish I could have had some of your uh, cooking though, but uh, neither here nor there. We will get to it. Next year, next year, next year. Yeah, let's, let's get into the queue. Okay. Cause I got, I got a lot of good things for you today. Ooh. Guys, we want to welcome you to the queue where we share some highlights and happenings within the LGBTQ plus and ally community. And don't be shy, listeners. We want to hear from you too. If you've got the scoop or have someone you want us to shout out, feel free to shoot us a DM at SIAT Podcast on Instagram or Twitter. Okay, 
every week I like to give, we both like to give some news stories and some updates, right? Mm-hmm. And I had a few, and I'm just going to bullet point this because there's actually a bigger one that I wanted to get to. So okay. the the two smaller ones, not necessarily an impact, but just the things that I don't necessarily need to discuss is Hallmark aired their first ever gay movie on Thanksgiving this year called The Huge. Christmas House, which was pretty great. And it starred Jonathan Bennett, which... He was Aaron Samuels in Mean Girls. He is actually gay. I've interviewed him before for Reality Check. And so he starred in the movie. So it was an actual gay guy playing an actual gay man on the fucking Hallmark Channel, which, as we know, Hallmark Channel hasn't been the most amenable to gay storylines for their Christmas year. So that was kind of big news. Very happy that that happened. And the only other gay sort of news that I have to report on is Recently, Germany just ruled, like, you know, this week, essentially, uh, Germany is going to compensate the gay veterans that were discriminated against previously. So that's a huge fucking win. Ooh, and, snap. Uh, and it, yes. Yes. And it's in Germany, you know, and so it's, it, it might not be in this country, but progress anywhere is progress all around. And so I wanted to applaud Germany for making this right decision, because I'm sure that there have been plenty of not out necessarily veterans, but certainly gay veterans that were absolutely discriminated against. And so I wanted to congratulate Germany. But here is the piece de resistance of something that I needed to bring up to you. Okay, so Barack Obama, former president, we all all know and love him. He recently came out with his memoir, The Promised Land, which is like, you know, 9,000 pages, essentially. And it's the first volume of his memoir, okay? This, I think it's like 900 pages, honestly. Like, it, it's, a, it's a book. It's a fucking tome. And it's the first volume. And right. so it gives these romantic insights into his life before meeting Michelle, his formative years, as I like to say. Now, I have not read it, at least not yet. But this week, since it was kind of published, it describes a passage about him trying, as a, as a normal you know, cisgender, heterosexual male trying to impress women in college. And he describes reading Virginia Woolf for, to try and impress this ethereal bisexual, okay? So this quote is Karl Marx and Marcuse. So I had something to say at the long-legged socialist who lived in my dorm. I read uh, Fannin and Gwendolyn Brooks for the smooth-skinned sociology major who never gave me a second look. I read Michelle Foucault and Virginia Woolf for the ethereal for the ethereal bisexual who mostly wore black. And he says, as a strategy for picking up girls, my pseudo-intellectualism proved mostly worthless. I found myself in a series of affectionate but chaste friendships. Still, these halting efforts served a purpose. Something approaching a worldview took shape in my mind. You know, a lot of people tweeted about this, basically saying that he was weaponizing or manipulating these women because he was trying to read to impress them. Someone Obama on how his discovery of Marx and Foucault in college became inseparable from a strategy for picking up girls and then describing how he wanted to pick up the ethereal bisexual who friend zoned the future president. Doesn't anybody have time? Like who hasn't in their life tried to like something to get somebody else to like them? I have tried to like the gin blossoms. I have tried to like the counting crows to fit in. It doesn't work. I don't know. This is sort of my point, right? It's like, I can't remember how many times I've done things to at least try to be interested in them. You know, like I remember when I was dating my my high school boyfriend, he taught me, I never watched football before him. He taught me the rules of the game and now I really like it. He took me to sporting events. I hated golf. He introduced me to golf. I tried to get to like it. Like, 
I've had people read my favorite authors to try and impress me. So we have something to discuss. Like, you know, it's interesting because my girlfriend now who's Iranian, I'm trying to learn Farsi, right? Which is her first language. It's her family's first language. So I'm not necessarily trying to be fluent, but I'm trying to pick up a few words, maybe cook a few Farsi dishes and stuff just so I can kind of relate. Is this not a romantic gesture in the world now? Is this a weird thing for me to be doing? And like, no, I had to get your opinion on this because another Twitter person joked, Obama pretended to like Wolf in a failed attempt to hook up with inferior bisexual. I pretended to like Dave Matthews Band in a successful attempt to hook up with two closeted bro army recruits, but you don't see me (laughs) writing memoirs. And it's like, (laughs) is, 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 is Obama somehow wrong? No, he's not. Leave him alone. He's still perfect. I hate everyone. This is crazy. Uh, This is a little, this has gone too far, right? I mean, people need to fucking get a grip here and realize that like people are dying on the streets. Parents, I mean, listen, we had Dave Quinn last week. People literally don't talk to their parents for decades based on their sexuality. And we're getting mad at President Barack Obama for writing that he wanted to read Virginia Woolf about fucking impressing an ethereal bisexual who always wore black. Like, ridiculous. You were not offended by this, right? Because I certainly wasn't being part of being in the queer community. Granted, I was not that ethereal bisexual, but like, I just think it goes to show that he's really cool. Yeah, I agree. And actually, this is a perfect story that you picked. Our guest on the show this week is Ashley Gavin, who is a writer, comedian, podcaster. Her podcast is called We're Having Gay Sex. Yes. And TikTok star. Sorry. And TikTok star. And we talk about in this episode, kind of like how sometimes the queer community is the hardest to win over. They are fact checking and they are sensitive. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that sometimes it's difficult. Yeah, it can be. It can be. And, you know, sometimes it's difficult to, you know, be your authentic self or to make mistakes or to ask questions because you're constantly feeling judged. And I think this, Darren, was a perfect, perfect cue fact or uh, news item that you picked this week because I think it really speaks to how sometimes like it just is what it is and it's not that deep and and, like you don't need to get offended at every little thing like like for me like I'm not looking for ways to become a victim or to be ostracized you know what I mean like I I don't want that I, I want everyone to feel included in this and that and everyone has their own experiences but to say that Barack Obama was somehow like manipulating this like it's crazy. You've just never been a person who's had a crush on anybody then. Like, there's just no possible, like, if you're not trying to do these little romantic gestures for that person, you know what I mean? Like, of no, course I you're going to was... do that stuff. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten people into TV shows that I've liked just because they wanted to have something for me to talk about. You know, they weren't manipulating me or anything like that. So, yeah, no, sometimes it just is what it is. And with that, yes, I hope you enjoy this episode. Absolutely. Enjoy Ashley Gavin, folks. Welcome back to Scissoring Isn't a Thing. I'm Liz Cully. And I'm Darren Karp. Liz, you are in a bright pink sweatshirt today and you're dressed down. I think it's just because it's the day after Thanksgiving and you're hungover. But listen, our next guest is Ashley Gavin. And before we actually fully introduce her, I just have to prep Ashley because normally when we do these things on Zoom, Liz, you are like, Fancy as fuck, you're debutanting all the way. Like you like and I'm in gym I'm clothes. Pink. Like when I showed pink. up for Bad Goreski in my like headband and I was sweating, you were appalled. Like you I didn't even you didn't appalled. even want to be my co-host. You were like disgusted by me. Well, and now actually, I feel like you're finally learning how to fucking dress in quarantine with a goddamn sweatshirt. So thank well, you, Liz. Thank you're you. welcome. I think you look great. 
Thank you, Ashley. Appreciate yeah, you. Yeah, Ashley, you're on my you're on my side here. But I want to introduce <laughs> Ashley Gavin. Thank you for yes. being on the show. She is a New York based nationally touring comedian. Oh I'm my god, your bio. not the bio. No, yep, you did it. You did it. I I have to update it. No, no, <laughs> just wait. Her comedy has been featured Ugh. on Hulu, Fox, Access TV, Sirius XM Comedy, Refinery Twenty Nine, One of My Jobs, Elite Daily, and The Kicker. She has done the college Dad. comedy circuit. And um, she has also taken part in some of the most prestigious festivals and showcases, oh, including NBC's Stand Up for Diversity in New York. Her web series, Gay Girl, Straight Girl, has well over, and I'm sure this is outdated, girl, 400,000 views. <laughs> and it was f- featured so in sad. one of my favorite magazines of all time, which is constantly for sale, Galore. She is also the host of... We're having gay sex podcast. Ashley, welcome to the show. Thank you. I apologize to all the listeners. This is a garbage, garbage bio. It's so sad. <laughs> Listening to that made me sad. For Wait, Ashley, I have to tell you. I have it. to tell you one more thing, which Darren knows. I sat this morning, mildly hungover, the day after Thanksgiving yes. is when we're recording today, with yes. our producer Maureen, who's a lesbian, my wife, who identifies as a lesbian, and we watched your <laughs> acting reel. We watched the show. Oh, you had a full lesbian. And Ashley, now they're divorcing. <laughs> so yeah, now we're want... be divorced and we don't have a producer anymore, Ashley. So do you I'm want to very... explain yourself right off the bat or what's I'm, going on? I'm very upset. Wait, wait, which one? How, what's Maureen like? Or sorry, no, your wife. Your wife's not Maureen. Oh, Maureen's basically my wife, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> if we're really being honest here. What is my wife like? Which one of you left who for my shitty acting reel? Oh, Rachel left Liz 100%. Like, Liz is not leaving <laughs> Rachel. Like, Rachel's a gold mine, okay? Rachel's True. nice. She's smart. She's, she's not a that therapist. Nice. She has a shit to... Okay, but she's, like, my kind of nice, which is, like, smart nice. She's a therapist? Yeah. I'll, t- I'll take it. I'll take it. Exactly. Her. Liz ain't leaving this. Liz is cushed up in there. She's fine. Rachel, I- on the other hand, has to do with Liz in a pink sweatshirt. Fair. I can't believe... The research that you did. Well, well that you know, acting reel is so dated. So dated. Wait, and I just have one more confession, and then I know Darren has some questions. Of course. Okay, so Hannah Burner, who is friend of the podcast, really good friend of Darren's. I've gotten to know her because Darren and I are both co-hosts on the Taylor Strecker show, where Hannah is also a co-host. Another lesbian. Yes. Listen, Ashley, we're excited to have you on. And we start off every podcast usually asking our guests how they identify. So how would you say that you identify? We know that you do a, a gay girl, straight girl, and we've heard you say gay girl, but is that what you would actually say yeah. Yeah. in common? Okay. I'm a gay cis woman. That's how I identify. Not a lesbian. Like, you wouldn't call yourself a lesbian. You'd yeah, call I call gay. myself a lesbian too, but I, I don't love, like, that's a weird, it's weird to me that we have, like, one effective, like, one word for the female gender or like female identifying and not like a male one. That's weird. I think that's weird. You know what I mean? Like, why do we have a special word? No, no, I hear you. Everyone can just be gay. Right. Because I guess when you make it gendered or sex, maybe when we make it like, you're right. I'm trying to think about it because if I'm thinking about like Caitlyn Jenner, right? She dates women. Yeah, I think she, I think Caitlyn might identify as, no, I think Caitlyn. Last I checked, lesbian. Last I checked. Right, but she could say I'm gay and I would still get it. Like I would still, like no woman who's, no woman who identifies as a woman who says that they're gay, I wouldn't think like, oh, they're not a lesbian. Like that's a general 
term. So yeah, right. she's I'm right. sure there's some. It. I'm sure there's some snowflake at home being like, actually, um, and could give you the full definition of of why someone might want to refer to themselves as a lesbian as opposed to gay. But I don't. I don't know what that is, and I don't care. I'll use either. Whatever. <laughs> okay. When when you say snowflake, you mean a sensitive little flower, right? Is that what yes, you mean? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And if you if you don't know anything about me, you might think that I'm an awful person. I'm I'm playing around with the term. Don't hate me, snowflakes. Well, we love clearly you. you haven't listened to Scissoring as the thing because <laughs> we're terrible people. Yeah, because I'm the co-host of it and I insult people a million fucking oh, great. times a Perfect. day. Perfect. Yes. So you're well, and you're it's sad. funny because I've been called a snowflake, but that was typically by black men when I lived in Harlem. And I didn't know what it meant, actually. This is a funny story. I lived in Harlem in 2002. And it was the summertime. And I was walking down the street. And this guy was, like, screaming at me. He's like, yo, what up, Snow? Hey, Snowflake, Snowflake. And I was like, excuse me? It's July. And it is not cold. And uh, <laughs> that was when I learned that that was not what he was referring to. I was like, oh, um, I don't want coke <laughs> thanks well that's no, thanks. two different references to snowflakes because <laughs> yeah, i feel I like his reference to different. you is a little bit different than what ashy was saying in my no mind. i that know that feels like a saying. cat call being called a snowflake on the street by men it Fair. works for liz liz doesn't mind being called that she doesn't mind a little cat call here and there i love cat calls i miss new york See? so much god i know all these women complain about it but boy oh boy i go to new york and i am feeling fan fucking-tastic. I'm like, everybody's hollering at me. This is fucking great. I come back to New York and they're like, so this new diet pill that you need to take is <laughs> well, no um, one's it's out on the a little bit of math. LA. No, you, no one, and if everyone's yeah. in their car, what are they going to do? Honk call? Like, what Pe- are they going to do in LA? Honk. Like, people honk. People that's roll like, down people the window. People honk at you, Ashley, not at me. Uh, yeah, no, no one's honking. So. I don't, I rarely get catcalled, but. Ashley, have you ever catcalled a woman? God, no, no. I do the polite checkout. I do the polite checkout. And typically I try, I try if I see an attractive woman or even an attractive, like a really attractive dude, I'm not into men, but I can appreciate a very handsome man. Sure. I wait till I've walked past them and then I count to like two or three and then I discreetly turn around just to get a second enjoyment period but I never speak to that person. I've done that too. So it's kind of like covert ops checking yes. out. There's no consequences to it because they're already past you. So you're right. just looking and you're enjoying without any I'm not actual screwing with it. their day. They're going to exactly. keep walking, go to Dwayne Reed or whatever. They don't think we're creeps. We're getting away with it in the, uh, right. in the cover of darkness. I hear you. Right. I hear Are you a creep? If a creep checks out a woman and no one sees it, are you a creep? Does it happen? Are you a creep? I say no. Because let me tell you something. I've got amazing, I'm moving to a new apartment and my apartment is on like a very popular block in Manhattan and great apartment spying could be had, right? Oh. Like, like if you're leaving the curtains open in Manhattan on a very big street, very popular where we're seeing eye to eye in the apartment building, is it wrong to look? Oh, I, I don't love think New York so. for that. No, I don't think so either. I love. This close, is what I'm saying. If you're first floor, you got to close your windows. That's on you. What any time, right? Because like if I like I'm on the seventh floor, other people mm. across the building, which is just as high as me, are on the seventh floor. Yes. If you're yeah. leaving it open and walking around naked, like that's kind of on you, right? I agree. Yes. Or is it okay? New Yorkers are in a pact. Sorry, we're in a pact. Anyway, well, let's bring it back to you, Ashley. And yes, a big part of the show 
sometimes and sometimes it's not is about how people came out if they identify as not straight right so mm. a lot of us have had the moment where we kind of had to self-identify because other people kind of assumed that we were straight because we live in a heteronormative society but other times people are like eh, it was no big deal do you mind sharing if you did have a coming out story and if you did what kind of happened if it happened at all yeah, absolutely. If it happened at all, that's wow, what a world. Well, I was lucky enough that I went to women's college. So when I did my first public which school gay, I went to Bryn Mawr. My mom is from Bryn Mawr. I went I used to go to from school in Bryn Mawr, behind. Pennsylvania. Yeah, my mom's from Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania. Does she like sushi land? No, I mean, my mom's 75. I think she missed that part. And I know there's an okay. insomnia cookies there, but no, I um, could easily be 60. Come on. They could have crossed over in some way easily. What I know, right? About? I'm like, yeah. mm, no, but um, yeah, that's fine. No, I just went to school behind Smith. So I love to ask. That's all. Okay. Okay. You went to school behind Smith. I did. I went to boarding school behind Smith College. You topped Smith. You she were like, hey, Smith, I'm going to make you my little bottom bitch. Oh my yeah, God, exactly. Sorry. She um, fucking did that. All right. So yeah. you went to Bryn Mawr. I went to Bryn Mawr and I did my first like public gay dating there. And that was so easy. I almost didn't even have to like uh, come out or identify as anything. I just started dating this girl um, on, on my podcast. Uh, we call her old Jen because I'm dating a girl named Jen now. I started dating this girl. Yeah. One of the what I mean, I Got guess it. that could happen to anybody, but. I never really had to like come out to anyone in my immediate day-to-day -day life because there were so many gay, queer, trans people on campus and people just like didn't really care. So that was really nice. Coming out to my family, that was a different <laughs> scenario. <laughs> well, well, let's set that up because how, do you mind asking like, how old are you? When did you, when were you in college? Uh, I started dating old Jen when I was 19. Okay. So same. So like a freshman year. Yeah. So we're the same age. So we kind of have the same context of, of things. Uh, okay. where did you grow up? New York city. I'm born and raised here in the city. Okay. So you probably grew up with a pretty progressive ish, like seeing a lot of people around you now. Even then I still had like a lot of internalized homophobia. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's talk about that because you go to Bryn Mawr, which obviously, you know, it might have just had a, a program that you really liked. Were you going to Bryn Mawr with any sort of like, oh, I can come out, I want to be around women? Or was it really like the education that was driving that? If it was a consideration, it was definitely way in the back of my mind, deep subconscious level, because it was the only women's college that I applied to. Okay. But I don't discount that there was probably something in my brain that for sure liked the yeah. idea about you know being around a bunch of women well okay so tell me about your first so you were 19 and that's when you really felt like you could be in, in, a, in a it was like a no big thing type of deal but when did you sort of realize that you were gay or different or not straight rather definitely as soon as I like started having crushes they were on girls like eight years old I think I had my first like real crush on a girl and like prior to that did all kinds of weird gay shit really identified with like the like Prince Eric I want oh Ariel I, maybe Ariel was my first crush I wanted to fuck the shit out of Ariel that that yeah. should have been like the moment that I was like I wanted oh, to you're... fuck Ursula so I get it dude yeah that's how you know <laughs> that's how you know you're gay you're like, you want to fuck Ursula oh you're gay Darren you are fucking gay <laughs> is Ursula a drag queen though I feel like Ursula is a, I think Ursula identifies as a woman, right? Yeah. Whereas drag queens don't yes. in, and not in their show persona, usually, right, usually. Right, right, right. 
So, but I feel like Ursula is a drag queen as a woman. Like she, she is a caricature of a woman as a woman Hmm. or as a giant octopus. She is cosplaying as an octopus, which is True. very gay. Super, True. so super gay. Super gay. Super gay. So gay. Super gay. Super gay. Yeah. So I wanted to fuck Ariel. I wanted to be Eric. More identified, because I was so young, more identified with being Eric than like Prince Eric than fucking Ariel. But yeah. And then as I got into like middle school, I had big, big crushes on girls and I knew that they existed I think for me it wasn't so much a question of whether or not I was attracted to women I was just really holding out for a dude that I would be attracted I was just like please please let me be bisexual like I just I don't want to be gay why and oh (laughs) self-loathing I don't I don't know uh probably my relationship with my mother uh I I could go on I don't know uh all the reasons that people no I just it's you know you're actually not the first person Darren and I don't know if and I'm 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 forgetting the guess but the seeing yourself in the prince as opposed to the princess in Disney films has actually come up before when people are kind of talking about the origin story of them feeling perhaps like not straight which I think Mm -hmm. is really interesting and you know why probably it's so important that we start to weave in more queer characters into Disney films and because it's really those as Darren would say her formative years it's in those formative years that you watch those shows but you know you talked about your internalized homophobia despite living in you know the cultural epicenter of I don't know maybe even the world New York City right yeah Darren the world the world the greatest <laughs> city ever okay but that you you know your relation is it i have a very complicated relationship with my own mother do you think and you say self love i mean again i'm married to a therapist so i hear all of the things that you're saying but do you think it's because you were trying to live up to an expectation for her like i don't know it's just interesting i think i just wanted to be normal yeah i think okay. i just wanted to be like every everyone and any deviation was like a reason to be worried got it yeah and i relate to that heavily i mean again like we're the same age so it was like and i did and i grew up in a suburb of manhattan so we First probably all, i'm saw, like three years older can you stop saying that that's no, making it, me feel but but, but there unwell. is a difference but, but there's a difference and you also grew up on a different coast with a different Fair. family who was also True. foreign and so when you grow up in similar cultural vibes in a similar age you have sort of the same like you know, sure. I talked to like my girlfriend who's 10 years older than me, you know, I was like, did you grow up with Fresh Prince of Bel-Air having this like monumental like impact on your life? Whereas other people who my brother's three years older, which you are, Liz, it's like they don't they might not have that same cultural reference. Exactly. Right. And we right. happen okay, to be Fresh the exact Prince same of Bel-Air was a big thing for me. But yeah, just of course, keep I'm just moving. saying like certain <laughs> things like certain things came out like if L word came out when you were in high school or college as opposed to afterwards, it might have True. had a bigger yes. impact. True. So yes. a True. few years can matter. But you know, for me, like, I didn't grow up religious at all. Um, I grew up very, very secular, nothing like that. And I, st- and I didn't, my parents never were like, gay people are bad, gay people this or that, like very open, very, very progressive. Yeah, family, mine but, neither. Right, exactly. And so for us, who kind of had every, outside of having a parent who was gay, or someone who was like, so outwardly proud, right? Like, we kind of grew up in the best case scenario, if you will, of someone who was probably yeah. going to come out, roughly speaking. And so when you came out to your parents, how did you do it? What were you thinking about? Who did you tell first? Walk us through that. Oh, my God. There are like kind of there's like two layers to this story. My father passed away when I was 11, so he okay. was uh, not involved, obviously. But I think he knew that I was gay because 
I have these memories of my dad just like when I was like very young, like YMCA, like the village people would come on TV and he'd be like, you know, that they're all gay. And I'd be like, okay, <laughs> I'm like five, six years old. So I think either he clearly like was gay or like, <laughs> like had weird or sensed that I was gay. And I don't think he was gay. Like, I, I think it was, I think it was targeted at me. But with my mom, when I was like 14, I was like in love with this girl, just totally in love with her. We had a secret relationship. She was like my best friend also. Like kissing relationship? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. She, I, I lost my gay virgin. I never know how to say this because it's one of those things where you're like, there's gay virginity and there's straight virginity. So like, even right. though I, we both went down on each other gold star things and yeah in ninth grade that was in ninth grade that was your first so time. the first first time both of us and i consider that like losing my virginity yeah. i don't think that she ever did because she's she's like identifies as straight she doesn't date men i like truly believe she's like mostly almost exclusively straight but that girl she broke up with me and i was like devastated i had never felt such pain in my entire life oh my god i was so upset oh. <laughs> it, you're, you're bringing uh, me to my 15 year old well first ninth breakup. grade i mean any breakup is gonna so be hard rough. but ninth grade especially for me and i don't know if you felt this way ashley but like i was like i'm never gonna meet another cute lesbian that i like like yes. it's just never gonna oh. happen for me ever again uh, yeah, I, I was just no, exactly the same. Exact, in right. fact, to this day, every time I go yes. through a breakup, I'm like, there's no one else. There's That's no, it for us. Yeah, right. <laughs> I had a, I'm going on so many twists and turns here, and I'm going to try and keep it all in one thing. But I once, after a breakup, went through every OkCupid lesbian that was in my age range on in New York City, like on the OkCupid website, That's scrolled down to the bottom, reached the bottom, and I was like, okay, this is my pool. This is all I have. <laughs> And I was just like, how could I reach the bottom? How can there be a bottom? Like, what? Are you kidding me? You, you'd think that like being on OkCupid, like I remember when Tinder first came out doing that and I was like, I swipe through every lesbian in the fucking yes. city already? Like, Jesus you're like, Christ. how is that possible? How are there none of them? But so that's like the fear I have every time. God, I'm I've so never felt that more happy to be by. <laughs> because it's just endless it's endless chuckleheads that i have pretty to much pick date from. anybody yeah. yeah right but yeah this girl broke up with me i was devastated i really needed to talk to someone because i was in the closet none of my friends knew god this is so traumatic god I really gotta keep talking about this in therapy because i'm i'm getting emotional right now but you're just so lonely you're so lonely that you can't tell anyone about this enormous pain that you have and so I was like, I'm going to try and tell my mom that what's good, Rebecca, that's not her real name, that Rebecca and I broke up, but I'm not going to say that. I'm going to be like, we're not friends anymore. And my mom obviously like caught on and was like, okay. She was hugging me and I was like, oh, thank God. Like this like went well. She's like, okay with it. And she goes, it's okay. We'll, we'll call, I had a therapist we'll call your therapist and we'll fix this. And I just remember being like, I will never say a word about being gay. Like not even, I will never, ever again to anybody. And my mom is not a home. Well, that was a very homophobic response, but my mom is not a typical homophobic person. Right. right. You know what I mean? She's pro gay marriage. It's and just I when it's her kid, it, it affects it's her when it's always, it's always that it's my yes. parents are the same. I learned how to walk in heels 
from actual drag queens in San Francisco, like at my house. We had gay so people cute. everywhere, like right. whatever. But when it came to my brother and I, it, my brother, I have a, one of my brothers is gay. Girl, honey, wow. it's different when it's your children. They lose their yeah. minds. <laughs> They're like, wait a minute. And she's, no. she's great now. Like we went sure. through the process. She treats me, my sister, totally the same. My sister's straight, like perfect. But it is a process. And so that was part one. Part two, <laughs> I'm going to button this shirt. I'm very uncomfortable with, with where this shirt. I can't see anything anyway. The, it, guys, you, have you a know, big what microphone. you don't know is Ashley decided to do this podcast topless. And she's just, because she's put, decided to put on a shirt for us. So thank you so much. Yes, yes. there we go. Yeah, there, there we go. go. Now you're covered. Yeah. But the second time, my girlfriend in college cheated on me <gasps> with a guy. <gasps> and yes, That's yes. And I was... Again, I was just like devastated, so much pain. Who do you want to talk to? Your mom. This was the dumbest. Kids, don't come out this way ever. This is, don't do this. I think when people come out, they expect that this is about them, which it is, but <laughs> they think that the person they're telling isn't going to have an emotional response to what you're about to say. They are. They're going to have an emotional response and you can't control it. So you have to control all the aspects that you can, right? Like that's why you want to be independent, financially yep. safe, yep. financially independent, all the things so your life doesn't get turned upside down if it's the worst case scenario. So this is why what I'm about to say is just not the way to do it. But I called my mom. I was like, hey, mom, okay, a couple of things. My best friend, actually my girlfriend. So I am gay also she cheated on me with a man and my i mean just radio silence i'm only laughing because i'm uncomfortable i'm not laughing at you you should be uncomfortable it's the worst possible way to come out i just wait so she didn't know like did she think that that first phase was like a like that first i mean phase of this breakup that you just described did she think that you I think she just tucked it away and was just like, okay. So it was never an acknowledgement of like my daughter is dating a female. It's just not. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. I'm caught. Yeah. I think it was more like, oh shit, my kid's gay. How do I, how do I make this not be what it is? And then I just never brought it up again. And I, you know, we just never talked about it and just, wow. Denial is powerful. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is a family. I, I was in therapy. We were all in therapy. We talked about feelings, but we did not talk about those feelings. <laughs> yeah. But wow, this sounds so much sadder. I really brought some density to this episode. I don't know what you guys, what, it, how it usually goes. No, but, this is about uh, it. We no, cry. Is, okay. <laughs> I'm like, no, this so is about what it is. Radio silence on the phone. And your mom yes. says, Something eventually. I think my mom said because I was crying so hard at the beginning of the call. I think my mom said, "I'm glad you're just not in the hospital. Like I thought you were injured or something. Like I thought like you like lost your leg or some shit or like we're in an accident." And then I can't recall the rest of the phone call. <laughs> wow, <laughs> I, I definitely blacked this out. I don't know what happened, but it, I was not satisfied at all I felt more alone I felt like I couldn't continue speaking to her so I just like hung up and I like found a friend and I really was so embarrassed that I had been cheated on especially because this girl is femme so many people did not believe that she could be bi or gay so I almost felt this like weird like I can't tell anybody this is like so humiliating and like people have been like told you so you know kind of thing so I I think I maybe told one or two people in confidence 
but I really didn't feel like I could tell people. Was it time that just like made you get over it and more comfortable with it? I mean, and then how, yeah. and then, and yeah. then same with your mom. Like eventually she maybe had to come around to it because it was like, I'm not going to have a relationship with my kid or. Yeah, I think it was, I didn't punish my mom for her reaction. In retrospect, maybe I would have, but, <laughs> yeah. but I think for my mom, and this is what I say to young people all the time, young people, I, I am 65. I'm actually your neighbor. Um, but you're actually I, Liz's mom is what you're trying to say. Yes, yes, yes. yes Zach, I'm Liz's Zach, mom. Zach. No, I, I think your parents have a picture of what your life is going to be. And when you put something into that picture that doesn't jibe, they don't get how this is all going to work out. They have an emotional, they feel a sense of loss for their child and the child's the life that they thought their child was going to have. So I think you kind of almost have to let your parent grieve that to some degree, even though it is not right. Like we can't change the way our parents are brought up. We just can't like, that's not possible. So it's sort of like, okay, like, it's just the way it is. Like my mom had to do some grieving and also maybe some just reevaluating of what she knew a gay person to be, because I think she really thought that I was like going to shave my head and like yeah. never have kids and, you know, shit like that. And that didn't happen. And I think she realized that I'm the same person that she knew. I just dated women. And I think that that took her about a year, about a year, maybe two years total. And now it's fine. I mean, it's it's a perfect example of just like generationally, like if our parents had to come out to our grandparents, like it wouldn't just be our grandparents, probably grieving that it would have been a whole thing. They could have ostracized them. They could have done everything. So generally speaking, I understand everyone's story is different. But if our parents, it's like, okay, they're mourning the loss of the life that they wanted us or thought we were live, then our generation having kids it's probably going to be so much better. Like there's probably not going to be any morning because yeah. we're like being gay is fucking boring. Like what, 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 what's our kid going to throw at us this time? Are they going to be half robot, yeah. half this? And so we all kind yeah. of, are, it gets better through generation. I mean, and even growing up yeah. in New York fucking city, which hello is literally like the birthplace of the gay rights movement and liberation, you know, people still have a hard time and parents still have to come around to it no matter what it is. And so you're a perfect example of that. Yeah. You know, you you mentioned something earlier about dating someone who was more femme or forward-facing more femme than you are. A lipstick lesbian, if you will. I I, I call yeah. myself a chapstick lesbian, okay? So I'm a little yeah. tomboyish. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, with a femme feel. But, you know, your comedy series, Gay Girl, Straight Girl, which literally plays on the stereotypes of, you <laughs> yeah. know, cisgender, heterosexual women, cisgender, at least from what I can tell, cisgender, gay women... Do you find that stereotypes, because on our podcast, obviously it's called Scissoring Isn't a Thing. And the reason that we started was about the stereotypes that we play in. And sometimes it's really good to lean into them. And then sometimes it's good to kind of debunk them. So totally. how important are stereotypes to you and your comedy and, and sort of bettering the gay world out there? Do you think that they help at all? You know, they're better for when I'm with a straight audience because hmm. straight people, I love straight crowds. Like people always like kind of on my TikTok and stuff like that. They joke about like, wait, are you a TikTok um, star? And I didn't know that. Definitely. That's where I have my biggest following. But I feel like that's where a lot of people have their, I don't think, I'm, I'm not it's here to brag about thing. it. It's sad. Yeah, it's the I, I know, really but like, hate it, TikTok that that's takes a where lot of time. things have happened for me. 
TikTok takes a lot of time, I feel like. Yeah, I, I work pretty hard at it. But what else do I have going on? I can't do stand-up. I was going to say stand-up's like on pause right now. At least going on tour, that, not not doing comedy, yeah. but, but touring. Yeah. Okay, so sorry. I, I had to ask the TikTok question. Okay, yes, and yes. continue. Okay, so, straight, yes. the straight. It's not in my stupid bio. I know, but, you um, got to update that thing immediately. Oh, God, what a, oh, God, I hate that bio. I don't know why I don't update it. But anyway, people write in the comments, they'll be like, wow, why did like a straight person come to this show? And I was like, most, pe uh, most people are straight. Like I, I came up in, I can't pick my audience when I'm not famous. Like I did open mics with all men. I did clubs with straight people from around the world in New York City. Like that is where I, I was a carnival cruise comedian. Like that is where I trained to become a stand-up. Like I can't choose. And frankly, I like performing for straight people. They're not as sensitive as queer people. No offense, queer people. We get upset very, very easily. So the stereotypes are so helpful because some of them know a little bit about them. And for some of them, it's kind of new. Like straight people really don't know anything about gay people. Like they don't know about U-Hauling. A lot of them don't know about U-Hauling. Really? And to be able to to yeah and to be able to teach people is like such a fun they feel like they're on like a tour like a tour bus of like gay life and i'm their guide and i'm telling them the secrets you know so that's so much fun to me because it really grabs them and brings them in but then i just do the material that i would do just about me my life dating relationships observe you know kind of societal commentary that i would do regardless of gay stereotypes you know what i mean well so, i mean you're the name of your podcast we're having gay sex is actually more controversial <laughs> than ours because trust me we get our own bullshit people got upset yeah i mean people don't get upset it's just funny you know i it's a jarring name that's for sure it's a jarring you know? thing yeah. sure. i'm you know even it's just a whatever but we love it and fuck it fuck the world here we are we're having gay sex i mean did you name it that way trying to entice straight people to listen to your podcast? I did it for two reasons. The first reason was because there's just simply no like call her daddy, guys we fucked, girls gotta eat, queer thing. There was just none yeah. of that. I had never heard that before. And so I wanted to make it very clear that you were gonna hear about gay sex. But the other reason I really like the name is because we have straight guests on and it's one of my favorite things to talk about because I think people segment sex by gender and and sexuality like there's straight sex and there's gay sex and the reality is we're all kind of doing the same things there there might be there might be some prosthetics in there but that's it yeah. yeah yeah honestly it's just like all it's all like connection and like intimacy. giving and receiving and yeah intimacy and it's we don't we talk about gay sex as if it's taboo but it's really not that different than straight sex. So that's why I kind of wanted to name it that because I think everyone has gay sex. That's sort of the joke is like, okay. I asked straight guests, I'm like, what was gay about your sex? You know, and but, but, you know, men like a finger in their butt. Everybody's fucking gay. All men <laughs> like things in their butt. I found that out the hard way. <laughs> the hard way. I don't want to know that story, Liz. That, 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 neither do I. You know what? Yeah, I'll ask you. We'll yeah. bring you on the podcast yeah, because I would love show. to know Actually, what the no, hard I'm way is. I'm watching this right now. Absolutely not. <laughs> I have a lot of things that I could say. Okay. <laughs> I know that you, you know, we're talking about changing your material or not changing your material for straight audiences versus queer audiences, whatever. 
in your bio, you talk about oh, no. um, traveling a lot and doing the college circuit, which Emma Woolman, who I know is a friend of yours and a friend of the podcast, and another Taylor. Love Emma. The best. Emma and too. another Taylor Strecker co-host. We're all in the incestual family of lesbian <laughs> hosts, and I guess. she dates my ex-girlfriend's ex-girlfriend. And perfect, <laughs> in a perfect lesbian just circle. Listen, I talk about that. And I'm always like, oh my God. Like, it is. This couldn't get gayer oh, as so, possible with Emma. It's that's so, so funny. funny. Yeah. But when you yeah. do the college circuit, are your audiences a bunch of queer kids? Are they straight? Is it mixed? Have they ever totally asked you depends. any it totally questions? Depends. Do they ever come up to you like, how do I become a gay TikTok star? Like, what? Yes. Tell me. So sometimes, oh God, we did, I toured with a buddy of mine, Sam, and we did uh, a college in sort of middle of nowhere, upstate New York. And they were like, can you also do a panel on like gender and sexuality? Me and this sis, we're both like sis. We were like, okay, <laughs> like we don't have great representation here, but all right. So we do the comedy show. And then we get asked all these questions about like, coming out and just like literally every app meeting people and we were like we are not experts we're just gay people like right. that's how sad it is out there we're literally just gay adults in the area within 50 miles you know what i mean like that's all they have they think we're experts i mean i don't know what it takes to become a dating and sex expert in just any capacity probably some sort of degree that i don't have but that we were we you know it's just wild that People need resources. They, yeah, they really need resources. So the answer is yes. <laughs> and that's why we did. The, we started doing this podcast because I mean, like for me, there was I mean, we, we all talk about the L word being like, you know, the beacon of every like non straight for at least for women, non straight woman out there being like, oh, you've seen L word like, oh, my God, you're so bad. You're so Dana. You're so this. And like that was sort of yeah, our yeah. nomenclature. But like that's outside of Generation Q, that's now like decades old and so esoteric that a lot of people don't really understand it. And so we're happy to have the Generation Q, but I agree. I'm not a stand-up in any sort of way, but I do host a lot of things and I MC a lot of stuff. And I do find, oddly enough, as an out gay woman, you know, 32, 33, that Sometimes my better audience. Wait, are you thirty-two or are you thirty-three? Well, I just had my half birthday, so technically I'm oh, halfway between. Bryce, Darren, um, okay. Uh, just <laughs> being particular here, but I find that my sometimes like the easier people to talk to are straight people because they are yes. less offended with what I say, and I can kind of like use self-deprecating humor without feeling yeah. like I need to be this gay representation to everyone. Yes. Yeah. You, and also you don't have to get it right because you're being fact-checked by the people in the room. Right. Like sometimes you need generalizations for things to be funny. You, first of all, you need generalizations to communicate information. If we had to be specific all the time, communicating, like super specific to Couldn't every possible it. case scenario, we would not be able to communicate. So that's just like an issue of the limitations of speech. I know. I, <laughs> I in, usually want people to just generalize me as like a skinny, blonde, hot person. I just say, but then throw and me that's in. with the I, blind community. That's within the blind community. The people who have sight <laughs> would wow. not be honored to do that. Ooh, Love you, Liz. Oh, yeah. Darren. <laughs> Oof, dark, dark. Going for the jugular. Okay. All right. You know, I love you, Liz. I love you. Yes. <laughs> I think you're right, though. I think generalizations, whether it's comedy or not, like, they are sometimes needed to communicate. And it's interesting that you bring up both of you guys. 
the point of being fact-checked within the queer community sometimes because, you know, we had a guest who you should definitely try to get on your podcast, uh, Buck Angel on the show. Oh my God, Ashley, you need him. First trans female to male porn star. If you talk about any kind of gay sex, you need Buck Angel. And what I love about Buck is, you know, he does discuss quite quite a lot on on Twitter actually about how he's constantly fucking fact checked by queer Always. people and he's like dude I am the trampa I right. am one of the fucking pioneers of this shit right don't fucking fact check me I identify or- as a transsexual and that's how I f- and he will go at length to tell you why and it's up to his discretion and also if he wants to say whatever the fuck he wants to say if it's a generalization or not he can say it and, and I think there can be a lot of judgment in the queer community. I felt it being a femme, you know, presenting yeah. cis woman where I felt we've talked about it on the show. And we don't, you know, need to go too much into it. But a lot of particularly gay women being such dicks to me if I was like, no, I'm bisexual. If they're like, oh, she's here for a, a short time, not for a long time. I'm like, first of all, motherfucker, I will fuck that's you. Just the dumbest. I will that's fuck just, you. That's just ignorance. And like, that and, would that would be a joke I would say to you because we're friends and I'm trying to be funny. And you well, know what right. I mean? Like anyone who's not a friend and they're saying that like to be jokey is just stupid and ignorant and doesn't know anything about. But I think it, those judgments or or like, are you gay enough? Are you an educated enough? Like, I, I think it can get tough. So it's interesting to hear you guys both say, whether it's with hosting or with comedy, that sometimes, you know, you find that you can, I don't know, get your fucking joke across. Be yourself in front of straight people because there's not so much pressure. And and so with that, Ashley, considering the the fact that your podcast is like we're having gay sex, do you get a lot of criticism from the gay community about that? And like, what's your reaction to it? Actually, I've been pretty happy with the re- reactions. I, I really thought that I would be in for more because we have we have a co-host, my friend Gara, the, I call them the youth in the sound booth. They keep me from getting canceled. They're 23. They're like non-binary. They're, you know, they're just like super queer, the queerest of the queer, pansexual, you know. And uh, I did that specifically because I was so, I feared the queer community coming after Mm. me so much. Like, but it's actually been okay. And I think it's because on the podcast, I have a full hour to explain myself. Yeah. I have like the full length of time to like really dive into my thoughts and kind of be like, I know that was a generalization or I'm speaking on behalf of this person or experience. And also I get to say to them, like, write in if you think we're wrong or, you know, just things that kind of make it clear that the it's an open dialogue and I'm on the right side of things. In comedy, you don't have that luxury. You don't you don't get to fatten up your you have a punch comedy line. with a PSA there's yeah there's a punchline to deliver and then you're on to the next thing and people who think well why don't you just add I've had people say to me why don't you just add explanation in your jokes and it's because like there's a reason why comedy is so word a- economical like you people you lose steam yeah and things get less funny and it's you have a job a to do your job is to make them laugh yeah. exactly yeah right it's 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 a vine sketch you know what i mean like it's it's yeah. it's, a, it's, it's a shortened it's ceremony yeah right exactly it's 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 the vows of a, of a wedding reception not the whole fucking thing yeah you know i i do i do sort of appreciate the fact that you do that and we're lucky enough to actually get to explain ourselves i mean before we jump to our next segment just with that you know i remember asking 
uh, co-host that we do is with Taylor Strecker. She described herself as a feminist. And I literally just asked what she meant by that because there's different definitions of feminism. Sure. So all I asked her was like, how do you define feminism for you? And I cannot tell you how many women jump down my throat by asking her that question. And I was like, why are people so scared to have this dialogue? I wasn't saying that I wasn't a feminist or that feminists are evil people or that she was an idiot. All I asked was for a definition and people just took it and were like, how could you be so anti-women? And I was like, if anyone knows because, me. <laughs> because you're doing that for people who who don't, don't understand know. what feminism is. Right. You're giving Taylor an opportunity to explain to people who don't understand what feminism is and think it's a man-hating feminazi. Right. You know, they they have those stereotypes. And what you're doing as a host is you're clarifying for that audience in a way that's palatable for them because this is not an easy discussion for them to listen to. And these other women listening at home or other people are so triggered by the... Yeah, I'm just like, we can't be <laughs> by, so triggered by you know, this. Like, we gotta yeah. be able to have open dialogue in order for you to learn. Like, constructive criticism is important for you to take in. You can't just silence other people. Yeah. They might be making a point and you have to be introspective yeah. about this. So I appreciate you kind of, you know, sort of being that other beacon in that world, especially in comedy, which I think is kind of under fire right now, for better or for worse, about free speech laws and et cetera, et cetera. For sure, but, yeah. um you know, uh, Ashley, we like to, we're wrapping up here. We like to end our interviews usually with this rapid fire game that we call Scissor Me This. Okay. okay. And it's <laughs> a fun, Liz's face is hilarious right now. Fun little Let rapid. Let me take my pants off. Yeah. Taking your pants off. Take the top <laughs> off again like you did. Liz has got the sweatshirt <laughs> on. She's taking a sip of probably vodka. It is 1130 there, or noon rather. So it's a fun little rapid fire. Just quick questions, queer nonsense, whatever. Are you ready to play, Ashley? I'm ready. Go ahead, Liz. You tee it up. Okay. Fuck, Mary kill. Oh, no. Rosie O'Donnell, Eleanor, Rachel Maddow. Oh, fuck. Okay, I guess I got to marry Rachel Maddow because... God, today, today, on this day in 2020, and I don't want to do this, but I fear cancellation. On this day in 2020, I have to kill Ellen. And Ellen, I'm so sorry because... I really value what you did for the queer community, but the Gen Zs don't. They don't give a fuck. They hate you, yeah. and they're my audience. So get out of here, Ellen. You're dead. And I, I've, I guess I'll fuck Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> Interesting. I yeah, would have that, had a very different answer to that. I don't know if I would have fucked Rosie O'Donnell. No, I don't never. even know if I would have killed Ellen, but but that's neither here nor there. I'm not the <laughs> guest here. What no. is the most awkward <laughs> question you've ever been asked about your sexuality? Uh, the last one, fuck, Mary kill Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, one time after a show, this, this was like truly amazing. One time after a show, someone came up to me and was like, are you really gay? And I was like, okay, well, yeah, yeah just, ju- <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. It's literally, it's so that I can be discriminated against and just do those jokes. Uh, that's it. That's why, I, that's why I'm gay. It's I funny you say that though, because people, people are like, well, you know, like the, relig- the, the religious sides of the world that are like gay people's a choice. I'm like, who would choose it? Like, who would yeah. choose? Like, it's like choosing to have be one-armed. It's like, why would you choose a harder <laughs> life? Like, I just, it doesn't make yeah. any sense to me. Like, not that if everyone- If they knew about the days that I tried to be straight and choose to be right. straight, they it's wouldn't- like, what? Yeah. Who would logically choose this? And ridiculous. Give me your best pickup line. On an app or in real life? Ooh. Why would it be different? And give me both if it is different. On an app, I go more cheesy. And on an app, I always open with, listen, I know why you're on here. 
and I just want you to know that I'm excellent husband material. <laughs> Works really, really well. It's not working on Liz right now who's rubbing her forehead, all right? You're not, you're not swaying Liz. It works. W- what do you say in really, person? Really, really well. What do you say in person? Oh, God. In person, I don't really have so much a line. I'm very good at just going up to people and talking to them because I uh, have total, because of comedy, I've just had every shred of dignity beaten out of me. So I don't, I don't fear the failure. You know what I mean? Like if she's like, get away from me. I'm like, yeah, that's totally a fair response. I've felt that before. So yeah, typically I, I'm just very upfront. I think normally when I go up to someone in a bar, which hasn't happened in a very long time, fair. I'm just like, hi, like, I just wanted to get to know you. Like, can I get you a drink? Like literally just, that's just what I do. Can we okay. have gay sex? That's what you say. I know that's what you say, Ashley. Let's have gay <laughs> I sex. I would like to gay sex with you. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, and last but not least, have you ever pretended to be straight? If so, why? If not, why? Uh, high school? Like, what do you... No, I <laughs> like, mean, like, have you ever life? been... Like, if a guy wants to buy you a drink, maybe you'll pretend to be straight. Or maybe if you're in a weird... I have not ever been presented with the opportunity, I don't think. I think people pretty (laughs) much know... They're like, we're not even trying on this one. We know she's gay. She's definitely... Is it the beanie? I don't know. Like, what do you think? I don't know. Flannel. (laughs) Just a a vibe. But every time a guy has hit on me, I'm in just such shock that I don't have the brain processing power to, like, think about what I could get out of this situation. Men hit on me and I'm like, I literally am like, (laughs) like, what? I mean, me too, quite frankly. (laughs) Whereas I'm thriving here. I'm thriving over here. Yes. (laughs) Ashley, it was such a treat to have you. Yes. This was wonderful. Thank you for having I'm sorry if I came on too strong trying to when you guys emailed me. I was actually very excited to do it. And I'm happy to have both of you on on We're Having Gay Sex. We, we, we would love Thank it. Thank you. Ashley, where can where can the, the public find you if they don't know you already on TikTok? Where can they find all of your stuff to the public? You can find if you whatever your app of choice is. I'm Ash Gavs on all of them, but you can just search Ashley Gavin. I don't care. Whatever you I would prefer you to listen to my podcast. So you don't even have to follow me. Let's start there. All right. Well, then everybody listen on Mondays, right? To we're having. Oh, my God. You guys are so we do not do this level of prep. (laughs) (laughs) Simple Google search really doesn't take that much time. Welcome to anxiety. We don't even do that. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're just. Every Monday, (laughs) we're having gay sex podcast with Ashley Gavin available on all streaming platforms. And then on Tuesdays, you can listen to us. S-I-A-T podcast is our social handle on Twitter and Instagram. And we would love for you guys to rate, like, and subscribe. And don't say something bad. Just just give us Or if you are, say something bad about Ashley Gavin, not about us. How about that? Is that Yeah, just fair? be like five stars, but Ashley Gavin was really shitty. You can that's one a star go- that's us a good with thing. that. Yeah, then we'll be fine. Then we'll be like, that's fair. She is the worst. Thank you so much, Ashley. No problem. Take care, guys. Thank you for listening to Scissoring Isn't a Thing. See you next Tuesday.